Hello, everyone. This is John Asplund, Superintendent of District 205. Thank you for tuning into the Galesburg 205 podcast. We will be talking to many different people within the school district during these podcasts, and this week I'm happy to welcome Mr. Scott Rasso to the show. Welcome, Scott. Hello, Dr. Asplund. So why don't you tell the listeners what it is you do here at District 205, because your role has changed. Well, not recently, but, you know, you you've, it's changed somewhat recently. Yeah, it's changed quite a bit over the years. Um, I started as a PE teacher and football coach at Lombard, and a few years into that, I, I was moved over to Churchill, where I taught PE, uh, coach football, and also taught ballroom dance and health. Uh, and then a few years after that, I moved into teaching ESL. Uh, up Explain and down. to people what's ESL. Yeah, ESL, English as a Second Language. That's the uh, that's the the term that we use for students who have a home language other than English. Uh, I moved to that position in 2012, and I taught uh, kindergarten. I ended up going to teach at the high school, and then in 2020, January 2020, to be more specific, I moved to being the program coordinator for right. for that. So you you're through two full years now being program coordinator in right. two of the most difficult years education's yeah. ever had. So right. uh, obviously, you know what whatever normal is, we're not we're not there yet, but uh, we're getting more normal. Uh, so in a typical day, what does the program coordinator do for yeah. ESL? Well, in many ways, it's, it feels like I'm still doing it for the first time because I haven't had a full year sure. in the position yet, sure. moving into the office in January. And then I was there for two months and then COVID kicked us out. Uh, I was in the office quite a bit last school year, but this year so far has been as normal as normal can be. Um, but a typical day is it's it really depends on what time of year it is, because at the beginning of the year, a lot of it is data analysis and placement of teachers, placement of students into the right programs. Uh, eventually we kind of work our way to planning for the annual assessment, which is access that we do uh, in the spring. And that's what we just wrapped up here a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and so now that that is finished, we're looking at administering accommodations for SAT, IAR, uh, Illinois Science Assessment, and all the other standardized assessments that EL students will take. Right. So they take all those plus access. Right. So, and I'm, I'm going to ask you something off the top of your head. Sure. So if you don't know exactly, it's okay, because the number changes a lot. Right now, off the top of your head, how many languages are spoken here at District? <sighs> it's, that's kind of a tricky one, because Skyward only kind of has a binary view of language. It's right. either English or something else. And uh, when we, we, we have intake for new students, the interview questions that we use are similarly binary. And so uh, some of our families have four or five or more languages. Right. And so my best estimate right now is probably around 18, okay. 18 or 19 languages. So what would be a language that people may not I mean? Ever, I'm sure everybody listening would know French, Spanish, of course. Mm -hmm. What would be languages maybe people listen and go, wait, they have that there? Yeah. We have received many speakers of Lingala, which mm -hmm. is a, a native language from the Democratic Republic of Congo in West Africa. Right. Uh, that's that's probably our our biggest non-romance language, or excuse me, non-Indo-European language. And there. then uh, recently we received two new uh, students from Afghanistan, mm -hmm. yes, but they right. speak two different languages, right? Yeah, one of them is a Dari speaker, one's a Pashto speaker. And there are likely other languages there as well. 
we do have, I think, some Uzbek. Uh, we we have we have lucked out with some of our other African families that speak Portuguese, like they're from Angola, mm -hmm. and so my Spanish is good enough to communicate with their Portuguese, yeah, and we understand yeah. each other about seventy five percent of the time, which, depending on the topic, <laughs> can be good or bad. Sure, right. Um, but we also have John Kratz in our program, who's, yeah. who's a wonderful asset. He's he's multilingual himself. We do have other language resources that we can use to help facilitate those conversations with our families, too. And right now, how many EL teachers do we have in the district to service all these children? Right now, we are around 14. Mm -hmm. uh, that's specialists. And then we have we have uh, several classroom teachers who are also endorsed. Right. So that depending on how you look at it, that number may be a little higher as well. We have a couple that are also bilingual licensed Spanish. That's well. exciting. Right. Yeah, obviously, right. Uh, the more uh, if you're listening here and you speak Lingala or you speak French or you speak any of those uh, languages that have already been referenced and you think, you know, I might need a place at District 205, we would be interested in talking to you uh, because we're always looking for people that, that speak uh, different languages for sure, because you never know who's going to come in the uh, in the door tomorrow. Um, so, uh, I, I want to digress a little bit because you glossed over something that I think is really fascinating about you. And my in-laws actually told me about this before I ever even met you. You teach ballroom dancing. So I how did. did you get into teaching ballroom <laughs> dancing? Well, let's see. I was, I started dancing when I was about five years old. Um, my father actually encouraged me. Uh, he took me to Our Lady of Guadalupe Church in Silvis and they had a, like a Mexican ballet folklorico program. So we would go there a couple of times a week and learn the traditional folk dances of Mexico. And we dressed in the gear really? and performed all around the area. Cool. Yeah. And then that, so that was my first introduction to dance. That's not exactly ballroom, but that's kind of what was in my head throughout my childhood. And then I don't know, it was probably, I was at community college and I met uh, some dancers from a local studio. And they invited us to come in for a lesson. Um, my girlfriend and I, at, at, my girlfriend at the time, and I went in and uh, they gave us like where the sales pitch would have happened at the end of the lesson, they offered me a job. And so I, I accepted and that would have been 1999. Okay. Like right around March, uh, April, 1990, uh, no, 98, I think it was. Those years kind of blur together. Sure. But um, yeah, so I, I, I was a professional ballroom dancer. That was my full-time career when I was, I was younger. Wow. And then uh, I just kind of got burned out and realized that that wasn't what I wanted to do. So I wanted to get a real job. And that's, well, that's a real I, job. It, it is. It is. But not having vacation, uh, you know, working on commission was just not what I wanted at sure. the time. A little unpredictable. It, exactly. Exactly. But pressure. So, better, so, better do well when you right. go to these competitions, right? Right. Yeah, but I, I went away to college to Illinois State University and uh, got my education certificate. And I still continue to teach ballroom dance, but I, I always say that I'm semi-retired. Yeah. You know, because I don't do it full-time anymore. My in-laws rave about how good of a teacher you are. So yeah. So you're yeah. very good. So, yeah, and they're very good dancers. They've so been clearly, taking lessons. Clearly you imparted some wisdom upon them. <laughs> yeah, they've been taking lessons with me for quite a while. Yeah, so that's pretty exciting. So Bill and Jane, if you're listening, uh, shout out to you yeah. guys for, for being excellent ballroom dancers. Um, so, uh, also in all of your bag of many tricks, you also have taken on a new role with us this year and that because of a, of a longstanding, well-respected, uh, uh, director here, retired last year, Nancy Dillard. And so now you are, uh, going to be in charge of, or are in charge, but it just hasn't happened yet. 
uh, of our spring musical. So you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. A few years ago, Mrs. Dillard approached me. Uh, this was when I was a teacher at the high school. She taught right down the hall from me and she planted the seed and she said, you know what, I'm going to retire in four or five years. And I think, I think you would be good to replace me. Yeah. And I had never thought about directing at that point. I love theater. I had performed in several things, but I didn't believe I had the chops for it. So her telling me that really made me think, well, maybe I can be. And so I applied to direct at the community theater here in town, Okay, had a pretty successful show and decided to apply when she retired, because obviously it's not her choice. Right. But, uh, but we listened to her seriously, yeah. <laughs> obviously. I mean, she, she obviously knows what she's doing. So we thought we should probably listen to her opinion. Right. Yeah. So, uh, I applied for that and, um, uh, another teacher was actually hired to fill the fall play right director position and then we hired a, another another teacher to fill the middle school director position so now it took three of us to fill nancy dillard's shoes right yeah so those are big shoes to fill yes. so we used three different pairs of feet to be able to right. do that but the nice thing about it though is that there are also now three adults in the room you know we support each other like i i, I produced both the fall play and the winter right. play they're both assisting me with this with the musical here and we think it's a good it's a good uh process to start especially when we go to merging next year 712 right. at the high school we'll all three be together and and uh it's it there's nothing nothing bad can come from collaboration sure no and it's a you know a brand new day here and so uh we won't be able to use the the auditorium this year because it's being fixed up next year we'll get to use the beautiful new space and, and so this year you're you're going to do a bit of an homage to to Churchill, right? Yeah. And why don't you tell the listeners what the what the musical is going to be and how sure. you're going to implement, you know, bits of Galesburg and Churchill into it. Yeah. Well, uh, I was hired into the, into the position as director, I think, at the August board meeting. And my MO as a director is to have like a year worth of planning ahead of you. So my wish would have been to know what show I was doing back in April of last year. And that that didn't happen, of course. So I was already kind of behind on that as far as as far as the, the planning process goes. But I was stuck for what shows do I do? Because we might have an auditorium, we might not. Uh, we don't know, because we're still we were still in the middle of the pandemic right. at that time. So I don't know what what restrictions we're going to have. We didn't even have a high school at the time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The high school was was not open yet. Uh, so I, I didn't I, I wanted to pick a big show that would draw a huge audience. But if we were forced to do it, remotely that I, I wouldn't want to waste it on that. Right. You know, and so I was just kind of stuck. What show do I do? If we have kids that are quarantined, if we have, you know, any number of problems that could come up, do I really want to put all my eggs in a basket for a show that I want to help establish the program? And I didn't know what to do. So I looked through the materials that I inherited from Mrs. Dillard. And I noticed that she perused a show called Working, which is based on a book by Studs Terkel, where he interviewed he interviewed people. Uh, he was a Chicago journalist, and he interviewed workers of all types, all types of careers, all ages, all races, all levels of socioeconomic status. And the interviews he gleaned, he thought they were interesting. And, and he actually published a book and put them in there. And I'm, I'm reading the book now as well as uh, trying to direct the show. But it's, it's, it's a nonfiction musical based on the words of real people. And Fascinating. Uh, yeah, and um, Stephen Schwartz actually had the idea of making it into a musical. He's the one who's responsible for musicals like Wicked or Pippin, Godspell, some of those older so he's shows. He's done okay. He's done very well, <laughs> very well for himself. Yeah, but he uh, 
wanted to put Studs Terkel's, actually he wanted to put the American workers words to music. And so what we have is a show that speaks and sings to the heart of the working class. And that, that struck me because I've been in Galesburg, I think this is my 18th year, and I've seen quite a bit of economic downturn. I've seen businesses and factories closed. Right. Uh, lots of things have changed. Um, but on the other hand, I've also seen lots of good things. I've seen every school rebuilt, mm -hmm. improved. I've seen infrastructure improved. We've got three, two new bridges and one new underpass that right. we didn't have before. Yeah, those are handy. You never have to wait for a train right. in town anymore. And so there are still lots of good things around that I think we can be proud of. Uh, and so I think that's what appealed to me about working. The other thing that appealed to me was that, uh, you know, somebody's building our high school right now. There are right. people there doing it. Right. And one of the pivotal moments in our show is having something to point to, something that you do that's tangible with your job. And that's that's something that I think we will all appreciate having a new facility when we finally get there. And so what I wanted to do was double down on that and said, you know what, let's go ahead and perform at Churchill, even though the building is, it's, it's old, it's in disrepair. There are, you know, some things there that are not going to be fixed, but I think that's, we can make that part of the show and we can embrace the change process and we can talk about how, you know, we got from, from point A to where we're going to be at point B. And uh, the script for working allows me to really localize the show. So I can, I, I've had to spend, I don't know how many hours rewriting the dialogue to make it Galesburg centric. Sure. Uh, I can obviously make the lyrics a little more school appropriate because some of them are not we always appreciate that. yeah of course um because it's it's a beautiful show yeah. and i don't want to i don't want to sensationalize it with profanity right it's we don't necessarily that part in there. No, make exactly. it good so, yeah. and i want to direct another show eventually you know, but <laughs> i like that opportunity <laughs> so there is a transactional relationship to this right that, right yeah right so what we'll have is a musical that that honors churchill in its final year um because as a, I used to teach on that stage, that's, right. where, that's where I taught my ballroom dance classes for seventh grade. I taught there. And so it's wonderful being back on stage, doing artistic things like I did 10 years ago when I was there. Um, at the same time, we can we can point to our new high school facility, which will be ready for us in the fall. And it will house all seventh through 12th graders. So we have seventh through 12th graders in the show. Uh, and, and I think we have a couple on crew backstage. Uh, we have images and pictures and videos of people that work in the community as part of our show uh and That's lots of exciting. other lots of other surprises in store for our audiences so for the listeners out there now's your chance to give your your elevator pitch so when is the show how do they yeah. get tickets to the show what times of the show right. go ahead our show is going to open april 8th uh that's a friday 7 p.m we have uh, Saturday, April 9th, also 7 p.m. And then we're going to have a Sunday matinee, uh, which will be Sunday the 10th at 2 p.m. And tickets are going to be available at the door at the discounted rate of $5 per person. If you're a staff member or student of the district, you can get in free with your ID as well. Yeah, that's really exciting. Yeah, so we want to have as many people as we big, can. Come big crowd. The show. Yeah, big crowd. That's definitely. wonderful. Exactly. And the Churchill Auditorium, while not as big as the GHS Auditorium, we never saw a musical fill that. I mean, that was mm -hmm. a cavernous place, but you know, the Churchill Auditorium holds, I believe, 900. So mm -hmm. uh, there's plenty of room. Yeah. Uh, we'll have all sorts of uh, space. So we hope we get large, you know, very large crowds. Mm -hmm. and uh, It'll be a nice send off for Churchill in that way. 
Right. Um, and then, you know, as we move to the, to the 712 next year with the brand new auditorium. And so right. I don't, I, I don't want to give away any trade secrets, mm -hmm. but so I'll just ask you this. Okay. For next year, do you already, have you already started to look at narrowing that down to have like a few different options that you said you want to pick it in April? Oh yeah. I've got, I've probably got three shows lined up just because you have to, you have to plan the license and the, and you have to book the show far enough in advance to be able to budget for what you need. Okay. So, um, and I also want to take into consideration what the other directors want to do. Cause there, it's not just me, as I mentioned earlier, theater is a collaborative art. And so everybody needs to buy into the show. Um, for this one, I kind of went with what the previous director had considered for, sure. for last year. And we, and I just kind of took it and developed it. And it seems like it fits for what we need here and now, but, uh, all the other, like the music, music director, the, the tech director, the producer, they all have had input on shows that we would, they would like to see us do. Um, I also surveyed the students at the beginning of the year to kind of gauge what they're interested in okay. because this group of students, I mean, they're, I should say the juniors and seniors for the last couple of years are now gone. And now we have those kids who were sophomores and freshmen when COVID started. Now they're our seniors right. and they haven't really had a normal theater year since then. that's true. So uh, none of them, none of them mentioned this show when we, when we did the survey, but they all seem to have bought into it and they understand the vision. Um, but it's nice to also collect that data from them to see what they want to do. Uh, just because I know the shows that I like, but they're of a different generation than I am. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I want to make sure that they, they have some say in that too. Wonderful. All right. Well, we're, we're near the end of our time. So I'm going to give one more pitch here. Uh, working will be at the Churchill auditorium on Friday, April 8th, Saturday, April 9th, and Sunday, April 10th, seven, seven, and two. Yep. Yeah. Seven, seven, and two. And so the runtime of the show is about how long? Uh, it should, it should be about an hour, between an hour 45 and two hours. Okay. Somewhere in there. Uh, it's, we have a live band playing. We have a, an interactive slideshow before the, the production begins. We have one at intermission. We even have a surprise for after the show. Oh my so goodness. it will be a multimedia and multi-sensory event. So be sure to come visit Churchill one last time. All right. Looking forward to seeing working very soon. And so uh, I want to thank Mr. Rasso for, for being with us today and look forward to seeing the show in the very near future. Thank you, Scott. Thank you.